trigger and content warning. Discretion is advised. In this episode, we discuss things related to death work and death witchery. This includes topics such as animal deaths, as well as the general topic of death itself. This content may not be appropriate for audiences under 18 years old. If you have a phobia relating to death or are sensitive to the topic, please skip this episode or proceed at your own pace. I'm your host, Ariel. And I'm your host, Alyssa. Welcome to Ghost Tea Podcast. A podcast for those who seek magic. Hello, ghosties. Welcome back. Today, we're sharing the realities of death, witchcraft, and death witchery, and what it's like to work so intimately with the energy of death and transformation. Just a reminder, as always, that everyone has different views on things, and that's okay. We don't ask you to believe what we do. We just want to share what we found in our personal path with others. Oh my god. There's so much to go through today, but there's I'm so much. I'm very, very excited about this topic. This is a topic that Alyssa and I have wanted to talk about for a while. And previously last year, I did a solo episode just kind of going over the bare basics of what death witchery was. And that was partially due to me having just um, formally started practicing death witchery, but it's been a year now. It's been a year now of me and Alyssa. Um, being death witches and practicing in this in this path officially. And so I feel like we have a lot more experience under our belt officially doing that kind of work rather than just having it be something that was randomly part of our practice and not something that we really focused in on. But this this past year has given us a lot of opportunity to become very acquainted with mm-hmm. death witchery. So I'm super excited to not only share our experiences with you all, but also what we've learned and also how we can help you to understand this path better because we get so many questions from people Mm -hmm. about this path. I think it's maybe something that is a a pathway that just isn't as talked about as much. I don't know if it's just because it's not as well known or maybe it's uh, known, but just not as discussed. But regardless, I'm really excited for us to get into this topic because it's one very, very close and near and dear to my heart. Literally, yes, all of that. It's been an interesting ride, lots of, you know, personal lessons, learned lessons, lessons from spirit along the way. And I do think that this will be a very integral episode for our listeners, you guys, our ghosties, to better understand what is death witchery, We're going to get over some of the different types. We're going to go over some various different aspects of it, including some probably hard to hear realities when it comes to death witchcraft. And I think that this is going to be a very helpful episode for you guys. And as usual, we're always open to hearing feedback. And, uh, you know, if you have an interest in sharing this with people, we would love that too. Before we get into what death witchery is and just kind of a summary of it, I do want to mention that, like Alyssa said, we are going to be honest with all of you about this because after our last deity work episode, we really realized how important it was for us to just be very, very honest with all of you because we know that some of you are beginners, like very, very beginners to witchcraft and your practices and things like that. But we also want to 
be there for the people who are a little bit more along in their practice as well. And the best way we can feel to benefit not only the beginners and also the people who are further along in their paths is to be very bluntly honest with all of you about what our experiences is and what our opinions are, because I feel like that will be helpful. So just with that said, please know that we're not trying to be mean or gatekeepy or anything like that. We speak from our hearts and from the deep respect and love that we have for this path. And because of that, we have to treat it with respect. And that's the only reason why we approach the topics the way that we do. Yes. So what is death witchery? So death witchery as, as a whole, if you were to describe the umbrella of death witchery, I would describe it as a practice of transformation and change and endings and beginnings, because that's really what it is. It's a practice that has someone who intimately works with the energies of death and rebirth and transformation and that kind of change that inevitably happens for all of us multiple times throughout our lifetimes and also at the end of our lifetimes. Death witchery doesn't just apply to the death of a physical body. It applies to the ending of a job, ending of a life, the ending of a path, the ending of a connection with someone. Like This is all part of what death witchery encompasses. So As a whole, I would describe death witchery as just a practice of transformation, but death witchery is the best way that we can kind of sum it all up in in a nice little package. But basically what a death witch does is work with those energies and helps sometimes, depending on their practice and what they feel drawn to, helping others through those experiences. Some people will only feel drawn to working with spirits. Some people will only feel drawn to working with humans who are experiencing that, or it might be a private practice that only you practice for yourself and your own practice privately. So it depends on the person, but there are many different things under the umbrella of death witchery. Hell yeah, there are. There's different types of practices within death witchcraft and death witchery. And so I'm going to go over some of those. And so the first one that we have actually done an episode entirely on mediumship and mediumship does fall under death witchery. It is, Mm -hmm. as you know, we discussed in that episode, being able to connect with those who have passed on. And um, so that does fall under that. So mediumship is the most obvious one. Another is Animal Death Witch, which is a focus primarily on animal spirits and the spirits of animals and animals who are passing on versus people. And another one is Death Divination. So this would be divination that would be used to communicate with the dead or to um, utilize pieces of someone or something that has passed on in divination. So that would be osteomancy which we go over different types of divination in our divination episode, but osteomancy Mm -hmm. is the use of bones. So that would be uh, connecting in with the spirit of the creature that has passed on. Uh, Then there's, of course, Ouija boards, there's tarot, scrying mirrors, and then even what Ariel and I do with paranormal investigating using spirit boxes would be a type of death divination. Uh, Another is working with death deities and infernals any deities that are associated with with death or the process of death 
anything like this, it includes angels as well. Archangel Azrael is a, a good example. Deities would be like Avis or Hell, uh, Hermes, uh, Infernals like Lucifer. And there's just, there's so many different examples. I'm just giving you a couple. Baba Yaga is another one. So different deities. Olden. Yeah, Olden. There's different death deities and Infernals that would fall under the umbrella of having an association with death. Then specifically, there is also a type of work called psychopomp work, which is about the transitioning of a spirit from the physical plane to the spiritual plane. This would be facilitating that process of transition. Uh, some people like to think of it as going to the light, which like, <laughs> you know, it, that's, that's basically like the work of crossing over spirits, essentially. Yeah, exactly. It, that's what a psychopomp is, is the ability to travel between realms. And so it is the facilitation of that transition. And then there's also necromancy, which is communicating with the dead, but but particularly to find answers to questions and like, you know, insight about the future and mm -hmm. uh, magic and sorcery and things like this. Uh, but it's not actually what you would think would be like raising corpses from the ground like that. Right. We're not... Right we're not we're, we're this isn't a video game <laughs> like, <laughs> like listen that like, would relax. make my job so much more exciting Dude, like, right like <laughs> someone described on the internet necromancers as like late healers oh god <laughs> and then they're just like no it's okay it's too little too late we're healing after you're already gone sorry but yeah, so it's, you know, this, this is in fact real life. So yeah. Uh, then there's also transformation work, which can look like many different things as Ariel described in the summary of what is death witchery. And then of course you can have mundane jobs that touch on various different aspects of death, facilitating again, the approaching of death or afterwards with death or anything that touches on the concept of death and some of those mundane jobs would include grief work or counseling, especially when it, you know, grief works in crazy ways. So that's, that is a, a very clear job that would fit under some type of death witchcraft. If you also were to identify as a practitioner or witch, then of course there's funeral work, coroners, morticians, forensic pathologists, embalmers, graveyard or cemetery work, grave diggers, death doulas, taxidermists, doctors, nurses, paramedics, hospice workers, thanatologists, which by the way, in case you didn't know, the name of thanatologist comes from the Greek god or personified spirit, which is also called a daemon, of nonviolent death, thanatos. And than a thanatologist is really someone who studies death and dying as a uh, unique psychological topic. And there's a lot of different social scientists uh, and psychologists that specialize in this particular unique area. Now, of course, this doesn't encompass every single different type of job that yeah, touches on death. There's but so many. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot. But what we're trying to highlight here is that if you have a mundane job, that touches on death and um, the process of death or concepts of death, that too would most definitely fall under this type of practice. Yeah. And it can be incorporated into your path if you choose to, to follow it. So with that being said, I think a really good conversation topic to get into for folks such as ourselves who are death witches is to ask, has death witchery changed your view of death or transformation? 
Honestly, I, it, yes, in the sense that it's deepened my understanding of it and my, my respect for it, but I don't know how much it's actually changed it. I've, I've always had a lot of experiences with death growing up in the sense that there were a lot of transformations that happened through my life that were difficult, whether it was family members dying unexpectedly or quickly or even slowly over time. And also just the transformations that happened in my own life, like dealing with trauma. That was also something where I didn't think it applied to death work until I was actually doing death work. And then I was like, oh shit, look at that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Because it really does. Like when you are working with the energies of death, it really... Honestly, if I'm if I'm going to be bluntly honest with all of you, you should not get into death work if you don't want your dirt dug up from the ground. Yep. Because you will have it thrown in your face. Mm-hmm. And shadow work, I think, is a huge part of death work. And it is kind of inevitable. It's unavoidable. And mm-hmm. if you don't feel ready to face the shit inside of you, this might not be something that you want to pursue just yet because it really is something that will absolutely shove that shit in your face and say, look at this, look at it for what it is, acknowledge it, work on it. Like in a lot of ways, I, I love it for that reason because it's honestly made me grow the fuck up. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's made Mm -hmm. me grow up in a lot of ways. And really take responsibility for how I approach my transformations. I find that changes in my life, although they can be upsetting and they can be heartbreaking or they can be heavy, it's also something that I celebrate because it's not something that I see as something to crush me anymore. It's something where I see it as like, okay, yes, this is painful and it's difficult in this moment, but there is something beyond this that is going to help me become even more of who I'm supposed to be in my path. So there's this exciting element of it that I've really learned to embrace. And before, I think I just got so caught up in the heaviness and the the pain of it that it was hard for me to kind of look past that or move past that. And having done this work, there's so much beauty in it too. The experiences that I've had with spirits who've come forward has just been so incredible. It makes me so emotional because the spirits that have come through in my death work have really taught me or showed me why this is such a path that calls to me. And like, it really has a deep place in my heart. Like I, I can't fully, I don't feel like I have the words to really fully describe what it means to me and how deeply I, I just, I have such a deep respect for this work and this path. And just over the past year of like really seriously focusing on it, like it just, Oh God, I just don't feel like I have the right words. It makes me, I'm frustrated. I wish I had a better way of describing it, but yes, in, in a short answer, yes, it absolutely has changed my view of death or transformation, but in a way that makes those things not necessarily easier, but more deeply respected. Mm-hmm. That what is about well you? Put. 
Uh, yeah, so definitely for sure. Uh, I don't, I, I haven't had a lot of experience with death growing up. It didn't all hit me until a very specific point in my life where I started losing people I love left, right, and center. It just kind of came really mm -hmm. fast and it came hard. And I think until I experienced losing people that I was very close with, it wasn't that I had a lack of empathy. It just, I didn't fully understand how healing death work could be. Yeah. Uh, until yeah. I started to see how I could heal myself, just like how I can help heal other people. Mm -hmm. There's, of course, a sense of fulfillment that comes from helping heal other people. But until I could really experience what that healing could do for myself, didn't really drive home just how important this work really is. And yeah. the emotional depth that it you touch on when you're able to help people in the transformation and the grieving process from death. So that was, was something that was really quite profound that really drove home how integral this is to not just my personal practice, but also how you cannot escape it. You cannot escape death. No yeah. one can. It's it is constant. a guarantee and it happens mm -hmm. every day all around you, not just people, not just animals, but seasons and experiences and jobs. Like you were talking about at the beginning, like death is everywhere yeah. and you cannot escape it. And it's futile to try. And so I think by having a deep reverence and respect for the transformation that death brings to one's per to one's life and to one's experiences, you can have some really, really incredibly transformative spiritual experiences by embracing death and respecting it and yes. by doing so it has brought me this intense I don't know how to how to I also too lack the words to really describe its importance because I don't yeah. know that I am much of a poet to be able to put them as I don't have the words to string together to really to really express how important it is but when you start to embrace it and you start to acknowledge it and respect it, there, there's almost this transformation that happens in how you live your life on a day-to-day -day yes. basis. Yes. You start to have, yeah, exactly. You start to have way more of a, you're, you're so grateful for everything. Mm -hmm. Every experience. Mm -hmm. has it really makes you appreciate life. Yes. It really does. Absolutely. Because we don't know, man, like this could be your last yeah. winter. This could be your last spring. Like, and I fucking hate winter. Anybody who knows me knows I hate winter, <laughs> but winter is a season of death. It is yeah. literally the death season. It kills everything. Favorite. It kills <laughs> everything. Fall and winter it. are my favorite. I literally was talking to my mom as a kid about that. And she was like, what are your favorite seasons? And I was like, fall and winter. And she was like, why? And I was like, cause everything dies. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> no man like, oh <laughs> I couldn't be more different I fucking hate it I mean again I'm also Canadian so like take that for what it will what you but will the take cool it thing, though, is that it's two sides of the same coin yes like it there's it's that rebirth yep. right so yep. like you can appreciate the the death and dying part of it and then the rebirth that comes afterwards absolutely so, it's, that it's that a was a lesson that came through from an ancestor, yeah. actually. You had, when you and I were, before we got really hard into our ancestor work, there was an ancestor that you had communicated with that was one of mine that uh, pushed me to actually try to, oh, yes. Yes. Yeah, try to connect with winter because I fucking hate it. 
And I tried really hard this winter and um, I did have some really profound experiences with winter. Uh, mm -hmm. And one of them was from uh, an animal that turned up uh, dead <laughs> in, yeah. My best, yeah, in my I'm backyard. Just, uh, we're we're going to be honest. We're going to use maybe some blunt language in this, in this episode. And I'll, I'll give, yeah, yeah I'll give an, a warning at the beginning of the episode for people who have, you know, triggers around so, death yeah. and things like that. I don't want to um, have to tiptoe around the word because that's what it right, was. It was dead. Right. But, um, but yeah, so all that to be said is it has absolutely changed my view of death and transformation from something that is perhaps very uh, scary and heartbreaking yeah. and all these negative things to instead of very um which by the way we're not trying to bypass the emotions that come with grief and death no but that's that's the thing I was just about same brain um <laughs> I was just about to talk about how much death which also ha helps you to appreciate emotions around yep. transformation mm -hmm. because that's such a big part of it and that's kind of why I mentioned shadow work as well because emotions are a huge part of death work. Mm -hmm. Like you cannot go through transformation without having some sort of emotional reaction to it, whether you are open about that emotional reaction to it or not. And even a lack of an emotional response is still a remotion, an emotional response. The saying, you know, a lack of response is still a response. Yep. That, that is the way that I see emotions as well. A lot of people will say like, oh, well, you know, they passed away, but it didn't bother me. And like, it might not bother you, but there's still emotion there, whether it's mm -hmm. anger, sadness, happiness, relief, whatever it is, there's still emotion attached to that experience in the sense that either you're feeling empathy for someone who, you know, passed that you didn't know or things like that. So it's, there's a lot of emotion involved, involved in this path as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, it is, um, as you can tell from what Ariel and I have described is it will, it will change you in probably very positive ways, but it yes. will change you. Um, no matter what that change may look like, you're probably going to experience some type of transformation of yourself throughout this yes. kind of work. In death work, um, there are people who do ritual. There are people who don't. And so it, it just depends on the, the practitioner. I know within my work, I really enjoy doing ritual and death work with the spirits that I'm working with or the ancestors that I'm working with. That's just a way for me to have something physical that I'm doing to feel closer to them while I'm assisting them. It's a physical representation of the work that we're doing together. And there are people who have different types of death work in the sense that they focus more on human spirits or they focus more on animal spirits or both. I find that my work tends to mostly focus on human spirits as well as ETs, which I know sounds really weird. It sounds weird, but no, yeah, I've had it a couple doesn't. experiences. Well, it doesn't think. sound weird to you, but <laughs> <laughs> you're just like, Ariel, you're practically like an ET yourself. Like, I'm like, course. yeah, this is, this is totally fine. This <laughs> it is checks. Whatever. Um, <laughs> so I, although I have done death work for animals who've crossed over, it's, it tends not to be a huge um, focus for me. I tend to really mostly focus on the human aspects of it and the ET 
um, aspects of it. But I know that like the animal stuff is a really big focus for you, Alyssa. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Because I think that'd be interesting. Fuck yeah. So there, so as we talked about death, uh, work can cover human spirits, animal spirits. It can even cover, as Aurel said, uh, star beings. In my particular practice, I do focus a lot more on the animals. And there's a few reasons for that. In mediumship, just in my general mediumship, I've noticed that I've always had a connection with animals that have passed on and to be able to connect with them. Uh, people's pets who have passed on that have messages or be able to see them and describe them to people uh, in really good good accuracy. And so I decided with the help of Artemis to really lean into my animal death witch path. Um, so I decided to really embrace it and make that more of a prominent part of my practice, not necessarily in lieu of humans. Like, of course, I still am able to see and speak with people who have passed on and and they are very important to me though my focus tends to be around uh, helping animals with the spirit as they've passed on to the other side either during the process of them passing or once they have I, I also will help with the care of passing animals in some cases like such as with pets that I've had or with animals like wild animals that I've found that are in the middle of passing that are not savable so it's something that I take really, really seriously. It's something that I that I have support with from two of my patron deities, which are Artemis, and she, uh, as many of you probably already know this, but she represents or ha her sphere of influence is uh, wild animals. So she tends to really step in if it's a wild animal. And Hermes is Hermes Psychopompus in particular is my patron, and he helps with that facilitation of the crossing of their spirit from our physical realm to the spirit realm or to the underworld or what have you, whatever you want to call it. And in, in this way, I am able to assist animals with the help of them, but also um, I can do it on my own, you know, if they're not around to help or I don't call them in or whatever, you don't need a deity to, to do death witchcraft. But uh, for me particularly, it's my job to make sure that when animals are passing, that they have the peace that they deserve because animals can't mm -hmm. talk to us. They can't tell yeah. us where it hurts. They can't tell us I'm dying. And many of the times when they are trying to come through, they will come through in various different ways. Typically with my Claire's is, is the most common that I will use where they will show me visions to tell me things. They will, they will show me visions that like, okay, I'm passing and um, or I'm scared or I'm having this, you know, experience or they might show me memories, things like this. So I, my job is to help them find peace in the transition or once they have transitioned. I'll give you an example. I did mention before how in the winter time or coming at the end of the winter season, there was a, I found a finch in my backyard, like literally just on top of a pile of snow, just like right outside the door, like almost like it was perfectly placed there. It was quite bizarre. Um, I also have cameras all around my house and I didn't see anybody come in and put it there. It, it really to this day behooves me. <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> it's wild how it just was perfectly placed center on this snow mound right there. Right. When you walk out the door, it's like, I can see it. It was, it was very strange. It was like, I was meant to find it and I'm sticking to that. But in this experience, what I was able to do was this is a finch that had already passed so its body has already entered rigor mortis and I decided I would do a ritual for this 
wild animal the same way I would be able to do something for a human, except the difference is, is that I actually have a body, which mm-hmm. for a lot of death witches, it, if, unless you're like a mortician or something, you, you don't, you may, you may not have that physical body that once encapsulated the spirit of right. that person. So that's where I feel like a good fundamental difference is between the two is with animal death witchery, you tend to have in many cases, a body to be able to connect with and to do ritual with. And it's nothing like grotesque. I'm not harvesting parts or anything like that. I'm, I'm simply connecting with the energy of the vessel that once housed the spirit, connecting with the spirit of that animal that has passed. And I like to do a Um, a ritual that honors that animal. I like to honor the impact it's made on the ecosystem, uh, the, the impact it's made on wildlife around it, because I do feel like many times with animals, but most, most especially with wild animals, unlike our pets, they don't get love. (laughs) Like they're just, they're very pure in intention and they might not even be seeking love necessarily. Right. Because they're wild. They have their own animal instincts or whatever. So I like to give them love and respect in the life that they lived, even if it didn't impact me or touch me at all, or even another person. So in the example with this finch, I actually took a a video of it for my, my Patreon members, but I was able to connect in with this, the spirit of this finch that housed that its spirit was housed in this particular vessel. And it was giving me memories. Like I was able to see from its perspective, various different points throughout its life. Like it, it was really quite transformative. And I, I now have a very deep respect for winter as a result of that experience, because I believe it died from uh, hypothermia or some type of like, I, I believe it got too cold and it just died. Mm. Like it didn't find warmth. And so that's where I connected that experience with the season of winter and trying to learn to, to love winter for what it represents. But it's in through really leaning into the the natural inclination that I have with wild animals and with domesticated animals. And this includes livestock too, by the way, I've done similar experiences with like, when I used to work on a farm, you'd, you'd all the time have like barn cats and things like this and right, cows right. and stuff like livestock count as well. Any animal, just period, an animal. So I like to be able to, if I can, which I don't always do this be able to use a part from that animal to help respect it and give it a magical purpose um, Mm -hmm. to respect what it has left behind. So when I talk about using osteomancy, I think it's really important to be very aware of the animal in which the bones you're using comes from, because every animal has its own associations with with its behaviors and its characteristics. I've talked about before, like using... uh, animal bones and witchcraft and things like this, it, I believe as part of my practice, it is just respectful to, to treat those bones with the kind of respect you would if you were holding human ribs, you know, or yeah. human bones. Yeah. Like a lot of people might gasp or gawk at the thought of using human bones in osteomancy, but why would I you mean... not have? <laughs> yeah, I know you have some, but, <laughs> but yeah. a lot of people would, but then they wouldn't have that same reaction to animals, which I find very right, strange. Right. So to me, what I do is if I procure bones, I like to connect with the spirit as part of my death work and ask them permission if I can yes. use yes. their bones for magical purposes. And they won't always mm-hmm. say yes. 
Yeah, they don't always say yes. I've I've done that with um this might sound silly, but I do it with like um roaster chickens. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I I was I got a couple of roaster chickens to make food and I was pulling the meat off the bones and I was standing in my kitchen and started hearing a voice and I was like, oh, it's a new, maybe there's like a spirit here. No, it it was the chicken talking to me. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. (laughs) And I was like, (laughs) well, I mean, what do I expect? I'm dealing with this, you know, dead body. And so I asked it, I was like, oh, uh, well, do you, would you be okay with me using your bones in my spiritual practice? And it would be like, and it was like, yeah, I'd be honored. And I was like, hell yeah. And I also think it's resourceful. Like if, if I, I don't know if I was a dead body, which eventually someday I will be, I would want my body used for a purpose that I felt drawn to or celebrated my life. Mm -hmm. And so I, I love the idea of using bones within death work because it's a way to continue honoring that person or that animal long after they have passed and, Mm -hmm. and have them be able to assist you. And I mean, that, that's why I'm so drawn to necromancy within my practice too, is like, it's a way for you to really have spirit familiars essentially, Mm -hmm. or spirit assistants who want to be helping you in your practice in Mm -hmm. a really intimate way. And I think that's, I think it's a beautiful way of celebrating their life. A lot of people get really like, Ooh, why do you have like human bones? And I'm like, why not? I think it's beautiful. Like, I think they're absolutely beautiful. The way that our life is really just stick figures in, in meat suits. Like Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. in the simplistic form, it's that, but it's also like these bones once kept up a body. Like Mm -hmm. it's, it's beautiful. I think it's absolutely incredible. Yeah, agreed, agreed. And even all the various different parts, right? Because a lot of us will have feathers or a lot of us may have, oh, feathers is the most common example, but these are all pieces that once, or, you know, skin sheds, like all of these, I do feel uh, whatever once belonged to an animal that you may use either for magical purposes, more so for magical than for aesthetic, like if you just have it on display, but but if you're going to use it, I really, truly believe so deeply in my heart that it is our job to ensure that we have the permission of the spirit from from that part in order to yes. do anything magical with it. So, yeah, yeah. sometimes it will be no. This uh, this includes furs as well um, mm-hmm. and teeth. Oh. Yes. Yeah, pelts, teeth, claws, anything. It does literally anything. So. I feel that, you know, to kind of revisit the original question that how they differ between human and animal spirits really fundamentally comes down to the fact that, um, again, the animals can't necessarily communicate in the moment of their passing the way a human could or may. And they also are far more easily accessible to a a typical practitioner. And also we may have more ability and access to a body than you may find in human spirit. So that's where I would say they would differ the most. Yeah. And I do think that a lot of times people's first experience with death is with animals. Yeah. You Mm -hmm. know, animal pets passing away or, you know, seeing an animal, you know, run into your window or something like that. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes growing up, our first experience with death Mm -hmm. is with animals. And I, I often wonder too, if that 
kind of is what leads people to choosing to kind of focus on one or the other. Cause like when I think of death, I think like, even though I know that there was experiences with death before a human death that really impacted me, I remember animal passings, but it didn't, it didn't, it was just, it was different for me. Like Mm -hmm. it, it wasn't that I didn't care. It was just that like, they didn't come to me the same way that the human spirits did. Where I would find it quite the inverse for myself, I would find that they, I would find myself in positions with animals or wildlife that would be passing. But that also too is perspective of like my career choice as well. Like really focusing on like species conservation and doing field work out in the wild. Like you would find lots of bones, you would find animals that are dying or, and I used to be a hunter. So there, that's also an aspect, which also is another occupational or hobby that would touch on death work as well if you wanted it to which you should <laughs> in my experience you should always honor um, oh yeah. the animals whose I, life you take yeah trophy hunting is never something that i oh, support horrible. it's just i i can't i can't with that that breaks so, my heart it i do think that they can differ but ultimately it boils down to the same premise which is paying respects and assisting in the transformation that is death. Absolutely. So um, another common question that we get from people is, does death witchery have to be something that you're initiated into, or is it something that you can just continue or explore on your own? And I, I think there's, I don't want to say it's an initiatory practice because it really doesn't have to be. I do think though, that people who have experienced death in an intimate way in their life may feel more drawn or I don't want to say well-suited because that sounds very gatekeepy, but I guess the better way to describe it would be that people who have experienced death in their life or very deep transformative experiences prior to exploring this path or, or pursuing it, I think will be people who just automatically feel more drawn to it or Mm -hmm. find that they have kind of, do I want to say affinity? I don't know if that's the word that I want to use, but just kind of this, this deep tie to the energies already because they're familiar with them. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't, it definitely doesn't mean that you have to be initiated in because, you know, who, who would initiate you into death witchery other than death? itself mm-hmm. you know like i i think if you're going to be initiated it in, in into death witchery like you should be initiated in by death itself mm-hmm. um whether that's the energy or a deity um i know for me it was it was always something that i was drawn to but i never felt worthy to pursue until hell herself came forward for me and was like, uh, mm. you're going to do this. And I was like, excuse Oh my me? God. I had a similar um, experience with yeah. that as well. Like where it, it was just sort of always just around in my life in some way. Yeah. And then it wasn't until Adi's, Hermes <laughs> and Akati were like, this is for you. This is something you're supposed to do. And I was like, nah. (laughs) Well, because like initially, like it's, it's, it seems so daunting. Yeah. And it's, it's something that 
like we said, takes a lot of respect and it takes a lot of inner work that can be really uncomfortable. And Mm -hmm. because of that, I think that's why I had that initial hesitation because I was like, oh my God, like that's, that's something. But I I think that's a good thing. I think whenever you approach a path that your first thought is I'm not worthy of that, that's a path that you should pursue, in my Mm -hmm. opinion, because it means that you automatically, right from the get-go, have enough respect for it that you want to be able to do it right. Mm -hmm. And you want to be able to do the work and show up for it. And that should be a green flag for anyone Mm -hmm. who has, regardless of what path you're pursuing. If you automatically are like, oh, am I worthy of this? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, you are. That, that question should already say that you are, I'm going to, I'm going to take this a step further and let's get, let's get real about what needs to be in place in order for you to call yourself a death witch and to have the honor of pursuing this path. Now, again, as we said before, little disclaimer, we're going to be honest with you. This isn't gatekeepy. This is because we respect. We're not trying to make everybody feel bad or nothing like that. We just want to make sure that the people who are pursuing this are people who really feel drawn to it for the right reasons Mm -hmm. and are able to respect the path for what it is rather than just doing it for vanity or aesthetics and things like that. Uh, Yeah, exactly. And what you what you should have in place is you should have some really clear understandings of boundaries you should be very very well versed in ethics when it comes to speaking with the dead and speaking to other people when it comes to those who have passed or animals that have passed on you need to be aware of the ethics around this you need to have very good protections up in place when you are dealing with spirits that have passed on Um, Because not all human spirits or animal spirits are going to welcome you with arms wide open. Yeah. As we talked about in our mediumship episode, you will sometimes have spirits who are very confused and very angry and very upset. Mm -hmm. And you just need to know how to navigate these things. You should also have some strong, clear abilities, your clear senses. The ones that you rely on should be quite strong. Not all of them, but the ones that you would rely Mm -hmm. on to communicate, they should be very well developed in order for that to be an added tool in your toolbox. You should also have an extremely strong emotional capacity and ability to compartmentalize, to know when you need to get down to business, you need to work, you need to assist the spirit regardless of how you feel. And this is about compassion. This is empathy. This is respect. This is putting the spirit and their needs first and yours secondary. And yeah. you if need you to be able to process, do that. Yeah. If you need to process, take time to process. Mm-hmm. But typically, I mean, at least with Alyssa's in my work with, you know, death rituals and things of that nature, I've typically had to put my own feelings on hold and then mm-hmm. process them afterwards. Because for me, the priority in that moment is the spirit. I have had yeah. times where I have woken up from you know, because oftentimes the spirits that I work with come through to me in dreams and I will wake up from a nightmare of, you know, whatever happened to them or something of that nature. And I'll wake up sobbing, unconsolable, but I have to put that aside. Sometimes you just have to put your needs aside 
for a moment to be able to assist a spirit. And it's not like, oh, well, they they have all the time in the world. It's not about that. It's about the respect that you have yep. for them. Because it's one thing to say, you know, I'm I'm unable to assist you at this moment. So, you know, I wish you the best. Please go to this person to have them assist you because I'm unable to right now. Mm -hmm. And it's a completely other thing to say, oh, can you hold on a second? No. Yeah. Yeah. No, they came to you for you to help them. And they are asking for your assistance in that moment. And your dedication to this path means that you can dedicate five minutes to doing a ritual for them. It's yep. it's not always required of you, but you have to be able to put your own emotions aside and your own needs aside sometimes in order yep. to do this. That comes back down to what I said before about boundaries. So if you're mm -hmm. aware mm -hmm that you can't do that for a spirit in need at a point yeah. in time, you communicate that with the spirit yeah. and say that I am not the right person for you in this moment. I respect you. And I would yeah. humbly, you know, ask that you find another person who can assist you right now in this moment. Like these are the boundaries I'm talking about because yeah. if you're just like, okay, hold one, like a Karen, like please right, don't right. treat spirits that way. And I think, uh, I I want to expand a little bit on what Ariel has mentioned and sort of a, a little bit like what I shared with my my Finch example is death comes to you in this path. You don't yeah. find it. Yeah. It comes to you. It follows you. It seeks you and it will find you. And it's not like Ariel and I don't wake up every day and we're like, today we're going to go find something dead. Like right. we don't, <laughs> it doesn't work that way. It's like yeah. they will, the spirits will find us. The bodies will find us. You know, the situations will find us. The events will find us. And that's yeah. how you know that this is probably a path that's calling to you is if that keeps happening over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. If it follows you in a sense, it really just is maybe something to consider for yourself. Perhaps this is death's way of saying like that you're fit for this path if it just keeps following you. But I'm, I'm telling you, yeah. it is not one that we seek to find personally. It's, like for us, not, it isn't. It just comes up all the time. And this yeah. is another one of the things that we have in our little notes is therapy in all bold letters. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> in bright red, red. Yep. yeah therapy because, yeah because even if it's not therapy like if you are not someone who is able to find help through talk therapy find someone that you can talk to about this stuff because I really think that this is one of those paths that really does require camaraderie I don't know what I would do if I had had the experiences that I've had in my path and not had anybody to talk to about it. And I'm, I'm so thankful and lucky to have Alyssa and Becca who are both yeah. death witches to talk to when things happen of, you know, this really heavy experience happened. This is what it is. And like, this is how I'm dealing with it, but I'm wanting you both to like light a candle. If you have a moment, like things like that mm -hmm. yeah. is very, very powerful. And it doesn't mean that you can't do this path alone, but if you are like really, really, really consider having something in place that you can use when you need it to process things, because there are going to be experiences yep. that are just heavier than others. Sometimes you're going to have a spirit come through that needs your assistance and it's going to be easy peasy. And it's just going to be a couple minutes of your day and then you're moving on. And there's going to be other experiences where 
you know, like for example, Alyssa's in my missing person case things, yeah. those, mm -hmm. those take us down for a couple of days. Like yeah, emotionally, absolutely. we have to process that. Mm -hmm. There are nightmare experiences that I've had that have taken me down for a couple of days where I need to just process it and cry it out because you might not know these people personally, but you, you come to know them through that work and yeah. you are inevitably impacted by it. And it's still something you need to process. So there are, um, I'll, I'll have these resources in the description, but there are courses um, for free that you can take from Yale and, and things like that on death and grieving. Obviously you can get certificates in, in grief counseling and things like that, but at least understanding the process of death and how to process death, I think can be really helpful if you don't have access to therapy or a counselor that you can be talking to about this stuff, because it is something that can really emotionally weigh on you. And I don't ever want to be like, yeah, get into death work. It's great because it's very heavy. Like you mm -hmm. have to know how to distribute the weight of this path in order for you to move forward. And I cannot stress that enough. Like Yep. if, if I didn't have Alyssa to be able to be like, Hey, I need to talk about like what came through with this missing person case, like with someone, I don't yeah. know if I could do it. Like it's, yeah. you really need community, uh, in this path. And well, because death leads to grief and grief can be different every time. You may not yeah. even know how your grief is going to present or manifest itself until it happens. And yes. it could be in very bizarre ways and non-traditional, but it's still grief. And yeah. so having a support system, you know, whether it's a close friend or a family or a therapist or somebody, something like Ariel's saying is really, really important in this kind of work. Because even with animals, it will still knock me out just, just as much as a human would. And it's just, it's because the spirit is still a spirit that had an impact on this world while it was here. Yeah. And I think that it, this is a very important foundational aspect to this path that may get overlooked is how to care for yourself as a death witch, um, yeah. as you are, you know, walking this path, because it, it can, it can be very emotionally taxing. And, and we talk about it too, in the mediumship episode, and I, I make reference to it quite a lot because mediumship does fall under a form of death witch yeah. craft. Yeah. But in the same way, when you are forming a connection, no matter how brief it is, you are becoming profoundly aware of the fact that you are dealing with an entire life, no matter how long or short it may have been here. And that's heavy. And it can be yeah. heavy. And so I do agree very, very much that it's important to be able to care for yourself along this way. Uh, again, through those things such as boundaries and ethics, emotional regulation, therapy, support systems, uh, things like that. Yeah. Well, and shadow work too. Like this is mm -hmm. where shadow work comes in again. Like if you, if you cannot process your emotions, you can't do this work. No. It's just not work that you can do if you are going to stuff everything down and suppress it because you're going to have a lot to process mm -hmm. once that that volcano erupts and you have to make sure that you are dealing with it as it comes and it's and that honestly is the beautiful part of death witchery is that it offers you an opportunity to continuously look at your life in a beautiful and also very stark way it it really does like we said make you appreciate life and what 
life is and how fleeting it is. But it also does bring up that stuff from the bottom of the pond. And Mm -hmm. you may find yourself doing death work for a spirit and then reprocessing the death of a loved one in your life because of that. And that is very real. Like that happens. So having tools in place to help you when you're doing those kind of things, whether that is, you know, gardening, journaling, talking to someone, doing rituals for yourself, like focusing on self-work for a week after doing death witchery, um, that can be really helpful to help you kind of recalibrate. Whatever it is, you should have a, a metaphorical toolbox at your disposal of things that you can use to help you to process. Are you new to witchcraft or wanting to improve your practice? Then my Patreon is for you. My name is Alyssa. I am a practitioner with over 10 years of experience, and I want to help you to take your practice to the next level. Within my Patreon, you'll find information on the history of witchcraft, the science of magic, exercises for strengthening your clear abilities, spell crafting and how-tos, baneful magic, and so much more. Join today via patreon.com slash Mystic. Let me help you unlock your magic. My name is Ariel Willow. I'm a clairvoyant medium and occultist with over a decade of experience of helping others build deeper connections with spirit and themselves and improve or reconnect to their abilities. My services cater towards abilities coaching, deity practice, astrology, and more. Visit www.ariowillow.com to find out more. It's time to step into your power. Another thing that I want to mention, and we mentioned this in our mediumship episode as well. I think when we're talking about this, because we are talking about this in a very serious way, there probably are going to be some of you who are like, oh my gosh, well, I'm, you know, I make jokes about ghosts and things like that. Is that okay? And of course, (laughs) yes, it is. We're human. We're human. And of course. Yeah. Spirits just like us are very humorous. They can find humor. They can make jokes just uh, honestly, sometimes better than we can. (laughs) And so I don't want you to ever feel like you can't have experiences where, you know, you're paranormal investigating and you're cracking jokes with a ghosty. Like it, it's nothing Mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. There's, you can have respect for someone and something and a spirit or an entity while also still interacting with them in a way that's human and approachable and helps Mm -hmm. you both to process the situation that's happening. So I just, I want to make that clear because I just, in case, you know, either someone is listening to this and they haven't listened to our mediumship episode, or if that is a concern in your head, I just want to take that out and just hit it. That's not, that doesn't need to be here because you can have that lighthearted, Uh, aspect of things. Basically, spirits can be very humorous with us and there's really nothing wrong with having fun as well. Like the reason why we're being so serious about this topic and the reason why we're taking it so seriously is for uh, many different reasons, obviously, that we've we've discussed, like, you know, having respect for the spirits and respect for yourself and what it means to carry the Mm -hmm. title of a death witch. But there's also a few other reasons, and this is something that Ariel and I have discussed in private that we figured we would share. Um, and again, this is this is us being very real with you guys on just, yeah. you know, like we're being very frank. Yeah. Um, 
So you can agree or disagree. That is your choice. But something that Ariel and I have noticed over the many years of being witches, studying witchcraft, and just seeing the ebbs and flows that naturally come with the topics of witchcraft and what it means to be a witch in society and in pop culture and things like this, something that that we've noticed is that becomes very frustrating and why when we talk about death witchcraft and uh, death witchery that we approach it very much from like a serious point of view is because witchcraft is part of like the umbrella of the occult, something that has been hidden, hidden away. It's been sort of taboo. It's stereotyped. It's been, tar- it's been a target of Christianity and things like this as like evil and there's been some you know lots of prosecution against witches um, not just historically but also in in a modern sense like whether it's like social prosecution or what have you and even legal in some cases there's another thing is that I've noticed is with these ebbs and flows there's been lately I don't know if it's because of the pandemic and there's just there's like an onslaught of death around you know the the pandemic and there's a lot of people like seeking spirituality and turning to spirituality. But this frustrates me so much. But one of the things that really frustrates me is when people look at death witchcraft because it's alluring, because it's unconventional, or they're looking for some superiority complex or elitist complex, or it's attention seeking, or it's a rebellion against established religions. We have a lot of people who leave Christianity or other religions into pagan practices and into witchcraft and they don't do any deconstructing of their belief systems before they come into these practices and so it's like this rebellion to be intertwined with death witchcraft as this like super edgy thing and it's like self-aggrandizement because like there's this sense of ooh, oh death witch whoa that sounds super crazy and real like whoa or like it's like pop culture driven as well or it's very performative like there's a lot of performative witchcraft that we see like in social media and we've talked about how you know you guys as listeners to be very wary of what you consume from social media platforms be aware doesn't mean necessarily like completely disregard what you learn but just be aware of the platforms that you're you're gathering information from witchcraft is very performative in its in its aesthetics and witchcraft can look like whatever you want it to look like but with yeah. death witchcraft we see a lot of oh skulls and darkness and like black drapery and like like sprinkling little bits of herbs above our fucking flames like just back the fuck up for a minute like it's just so annoying and frustrating because there's a superficial understanding of what death witchcraft is what it means and what it stands for and yeah. the attitudes that come with this shift of all these reasons I've talked about makes it very difficult to establish a sense of respect in the, the mm-hmm. practice of death witchcraft. And that's what I find so frustrating. And I'm not against having more people join witchcraft and paganism. I think it's great. I think people should do whatever the hell makes them happy, whatever the hell fulfills them, whatever the hell brings you know passion to their soul and sets their soul on fire. I always say that all the time. Whatever sets your soul on fire, you go for it. But you need to approach these various practices, but especially for something like death witchcraft, keeping in mind everything we've discussed in this episode, because it is so much more than just being this edgy person who can communicate with the dead. It is so important to have the respect and the understanding 
of what it means to be a death witch. And especially if you tell people you're a death witch, you need to be able to understand the various nuances of the things that we've discussed and how important ethics are and everything else. Like, I know I'm just repeating myself at this point, but it's just really frustrating. And we're going to continue to see this as time goes on. We're going to continue to see these ebbs and flows of how witchcraft is perceived in culture and it can change by culture obviously it can change you know you you have different like ideas of what witchcraft may be but i do find that there has been this more lean towards like and death witchcraft is just one part but i see it a lot with baneful magic like a lot more of this like i'm a bad bitch because i like you know what i mean like just it's we do have an episode as well on ego and spirituality. Ariel and I have a lot of great episodes. If you haven't listened to them, you totally <laughs> should because everything we talk about is interconnected in some way. And I, I just, we talk about it in that, in that episode as well. But when things are driven by aesthetics and when it's performative, when it's ego driven, self aggrandizing, attention seeking, it's, you're, it's just, it's, it's so frustrating to try to weed those assholes out and then for people like Ariel and I and many other death witches that really come from this practice from the right place from with respect in mind and ethics in mind, it's really frustrating to try to weed those assholes out and have people like truly pay attention to what matters. I obviously care a lot about aesthetics in my own craft because I want it to look exactly as what I would feel is yeah. representative. Right, right. Other people may disagree with, but I don't really care because it's not their practice. My point is, is if every time you see death witchcraft only portrayed as this dark, edgy thing, it gives this false idea that it is only that. When we've discussed that right. it is so much more, it is represents transformation in many different ways. And nobody has to fit a specific image. That's the thing is if you want your craft to be to your own aesthetics, do it. But if you have like flowers and pink shit everywhere, whatever the hell you have and you're a death witch, you're just as valid as someone who has like 50 skulls and like a dark curtain or some shit. You know what I'm trying to say? A thousand percent. And like that's what I mean. Yeah. And there's there's death witches who aren't going to feel drawn to working with bones or aren't going to feel drawn to, you know, having representations of death in their space. Like it's completely up to the person. It's your practice is how you approach it Mm -hmm. and the intention that you have behind it. And I know that there's a big debate about like intention is everything. I do think intention is a lot of it, but it's not everything. I obviously agree with Alyssa in the sense that I think there's a lot of very performative ways that people show up within the witchcraft space and also within death witchery, feeling really drawn to it because they're like, oh, it's, it goes with my aesthetic, you know, whatever. But just make sure that if you approach this path or this path calls to you or it's or it's something that appeals to you or something that you want to pursue, make sure that you're doing it for the right reasons and not just for those reasons. And another thing that I want to mention too is that, and this kind of is more of a broad statement, not necessarily just to death witchery, but something that I have had come up recently and also in the past is regardless of what path you choose or what you want to do within witchcraft, the reason why it's so important for you to be able to deconstruct before approaching others to help you is because it's not my job. It's not Alyssa's job and it's not anyone else's job to deal with your anger from the past and what it did to you for us to teach you otherwise. Yep. Because essentially what you're doing, if you approach 
witchcraft and your practice with the reasoning of anger behind it is that you're asking for witchcraft to prove itself to you. And that's not the purpose of witchcraft at all. No. The purpose of witchcraft is to prove yourself to yourself, Mm -hmm. not the other way around. Mm -hmm. So when people approach me of like, oh, how do I do this? Because I'm really angry at the church or I'm really angry at what happened in my past. And I'm like, yeah, your anger is valid. I'm not the person that's going to help you with that. It's not because I don't want to help people, but you have to be able to take responsibility for your emotional well-being and your emotional state before going into this practice because it's not anybody else's job to deconstruct for you. You have to do that yourself. It's a self thing. Like nobody else can do that for you. And you want to know why else that's important too? Oh, sorry to interrupt. No, go for it. It's, it's important because as death witches, we will come across spirits that have different beliefs. Like Mm -hmm. if we ask a spirit, Mm -hmm. like, do you have a God that you want me to call in to help? And it's not pagan. Sometimes it's Christian. Sometimes it's Mm -hmm. a different, that happens. And what are you going to do? Get mad at them for that? Yeah. There's been times that I've done death workings for spirits who were Christian when they were living. And I called on the Christian God or I called on angels. I feel comfortable with that because I have processed enough from my deconstruction to respect that Mm -hmm. and not go forward in a way where I'm just like, no, I won't help you like that. That. Yeah. (laughs) You got to deconstruct. And I talk about this so much because it's frustrating. Just like I, 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 I've never had to go through the process of, of religious deconstruction because I wasn't raised in a religious household that it was forced on me or it was like really integral into my upbringing. So I've been like very much pagan, I suppose, would be the umbrella term when I wasn't leaning hardcore into science and was like doubting the existence of spirituality in certain cases in some parts of my life. But I've never had to do that. But I do see it a lot in the pagan communities, just based off of the verbiage people use, the questions they ask and how they ask the questions and how they approach us as spiritual coaches. I see it all the time. And It's just the work you just have to do. You have to put in the work. You have to. And as much as I would love to snap my fingers and free everybody of their previous hangups related to religion, we can't. And it's not our job to do so. It is your job to deal with those. It is your job to look at yourself critically and ask yourself those fundamental questions before you approach witchcraft, but most essentially with death witchcraft for the reasons I mentioned, but also because how you interact with spirits, you have to be very aware that these spirits are people and that they yeah. had their own lives and their own beliefs and their own religions in some cases. And you cannot make them, you cannot approach them and make them feel bad for asking for your help, but with the Christian God behind you. You you just, yeah. you, you're supposed to help them. It's supposed to be about them, not you, as we've talked about, and being able to compartmentalize when you need to. But also, like, it's not to say that you have to be an entirely healed person. That's not what we're saying. Right, right. Like, we're all learning. We're all, it's all gonna, it's a lifetime journey. But the, like, before you enter into witchcraft or pagan spaces, especially if you're going to be consorting with spirits of any sort, that's just a very basic thing to have to address. And it takes as long as it takes. Yeah, it takes time and it takes patience and it takes the willingness to look at where you've been affected by it. I still, to this day, 
I'm having realizations of like, ooh, that's something that I carry from my Christian past. Wow, got to look at that. Like, And it sucks. Mm-hmm. I wish I could just, you know, like Alyssa said, snap my fingers and it's just gone. But that is also the shadow work aspect of all of this. If you are someone who wants to do death work for anyone who's not a minority, not the path for you, (laughs) not the path for you. If you don't want to help people, whatever their path was when they were alive, not the path for you. Like Mm -hmm. anything that is going to prevent you from being an assistant to those who come to you. I've had spirits come to me who've done awful shit in their life. Mm -hmm. And I still assist them because it's not about me and I am not in a place to decide whether or not they're worthy of that or not. Mm -hmm. It's not, that's not my job. Now I'm not going to say that if a spirit comes through, that's again, boundaries, right? Everybody can have boundaries. There are going to be times that you're not going to feel capable or willing and or comfortable working with a certain spirit or if you find out things about them, you're maybe not going to feel comfortable with that. And that's your personal opinion. You it's just, just recognizing <laughs> that. It's recognizing yeah. that and knowing that like if, okay, so, so boundaries are important in this way. Yes. But I do think it's important to still continue to look at it critically afterwards. So let's say a spirit comes to you and says, um, can you help me transition? I believed in the Christian God. And I would like him to assist. If you in that moment say, I really just can't do this. And you know, it's because of the Christian God, you are allowed to tell that spirit. Like we mentioned before, I'm just not in the space to be able to assist you right now, please, whatever. But then afterwards, address it. Be like, okay, where's this coming from? Why did that make me uncomfortable? Why was that a hard line for me? And how can I, is this something that I feel I need to change? And for what reason? And et cetera, et cetera. Do you, you see where I'm going with it? And it's kind of yeah. like what Ariel was saying with like the shadow yeah. work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it brings too, like the shadow decon- work. Deconstruction is a form of death. It really it's, is. Yeah. It is the death of what you previously knew and understood. Mm-hmm. It, it, it literally is death. <laughs> it is death witchcraft. It's death witch related. It is the death of everything you held before your spiritual beliefs how you understood spirit how you understood the other side and perhaps your conceptions of life and death and what happens in death etc it's it's why it takes as long as it takes that's why i said it takes as long as it takes because death doesn't have a time limit it, it it's just it might take you a week it might take you f- fucking 15 years who knows but again the point isn't to say that you need to be entirely healed it's just being able to recognize these things within yourself and address them as they come forward. That is the mark of a good death witch. Yeah, it's discernment. And mm-hmm. really any path that you follow, you should have discernment as much as you can because it's needed. There are going to be times that a spirit will come forward for me and I won't be able to assist them for whatever personal reasons or whatever. But what you need to be able to be able to do, which just again, agreeing and re in stating what Alyssa said was just being able to recognize why something came forward because spirit will use your practice, whether it's death, witch or not as a way to highlight the areas of life that they're wanting you to address, to become a better person and better version of yourself, because that's what witchcraft is supposed to do. Witchcraft, yes, is about standing into your power and being able to really feel your confidence in yourself and be able to utilize that to your best ability. But it's also about looking at 
the shadow aspects. And this is why, like, uh, of course, this is a whole different topic and we won't get into it, but this is also why, like, the love and light stuff never Mm -hmm. will get you far because Mm -hmm. you are going to hit a brick wall of shadow Mm -hmm. work that needs to be addressed. Mm -hmm. And you cannot go further than that without addressing it. You can't forever walk that line only ever staying on one side of the line. Like you have to be able to find that balance. And there's um, something so like hilariously ironic about the idea of someone being purely love and light being a death witch. I a death witch imagine that <laughs> a death witch that straddles the liminal between physical yeah. and spiritual, but yet is so heavy on one side of the path and only looks at at the spiritual experience in one lens is very strange and I- ironic to me. Yeah, well, because <laughs> like I I don't know because weird. I right and like my idea my well not my idea but like my understanding of what happens after we die is my understanding of what happens after we die. Mm -hmm. But that's why it's, and this is another reason why having like your clairs that developed enough to have like the communication or some sort of way of communicating with the spirits is really important because then you can better understand how to assist them is like, if I am working, for example, just, you know, for example's sake, I'm working with a Christian spirit, like a spirit who was previously Christian when they were alive. If they ask me what happens after they die, I'm going Mm -hmm. to say, according to your belief, this is what happens. According to my belief, this is what happens. Mm -hmm. But I'm never going to push you to be ready to like make a decision of whether or not you want to quote unquote cross over or not. You have to be ready for that. But I'm Mm -hmm. going to be here to help try to make that transition as comfortable for you as possible. Because and, ultimately it's not my place to be like, by the way, you're yeah, wrong. Like it's not supposed to be a well actually moment. Yeah. yeah like, don't do not, that. Like it's not my place to do that. It's not my place to say their belief is wrong. Cause I don't gen- I genuinely don't believe that. I believe there's truth in everybody's experiences and everybody's beliefs. Mm-hmm. Who am I to say that my idea of uh, my understanding of what happens after we die is the only right one. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. that's such an egotistical way of looking at things. And even though I personally deeply believe that that's what happens, I'm not going to tell anybody else that the way that they believe what happens after they die is wrong because that's their belief system. And I have no, I, I'm not in a place to say, well, guess what? Uh, I'll talk to you when you, when you come over like that. That's the same. I'm not in the fucking business of proselytizing. I don't give a fuck what you you can have your own beliefs and I can have mine. Just the, the, the reason why it's so important to do that deconstruction as well within yourself is so you don't push that on the spirits, like allow them to have the beliefs that they have so that they can have peace when they cross. Yeah. Allow them to have the The last They deserve the peace. And, and if it makes you feel any better or helps you to understand, think of the roles reversed. If you were to die and you were mm-hmm. to, for whatever reason, not know what to do, mm-hmm. and you were to go to a death witch and be like, can you assist me? And they were like, yeah, but you have to confess your love for Jesus Christ first. Yeah, fuck right. I'd haunt the shit I, out of you. <laughs> <laughs> I would I, never I cross would. and just haunt you. <laughs> I'd haunt your ass. I'm going to be your household ghost now. I'm Thanks like, you're so going to start seeing Adi's and Akati in every corner of your fucking vision yeah. for the rest of your life. <laughs> like, I I just, 
if if you would be offended by someone doing that to you, don't do it to them. It's mm-hmm. simple as that. So. It just is that simple. It really boils yeah. down to very simple concept. But but these are important conversations to have. And it is. We we're just being real with you guys. Like these are the realities of of death witchcraft. These are the realities that we face as death witches. And so, I think one of the underlying um one one of the underlying themes of being a death witch is consistently facing transformation in all of its forms and that does apply to you as an individual and you may even have I don't know Ariel you may have experienced this yourself but I know I have you may even have moments where you question what you what you know where you question like thousand percent what like it completely just rocks your world like you'll have an experience with a spirit or they'll share something and you're Mm -hmm. like whoa like yeah whoa it'll just call into question so much that you've previously believed yes yeah I remember I think it was a couple days if not within the first week after hell was like hey I want you to be a death witch and I was like all right I trust you and and I was like but I don't feel worthy of this and she was like oh you will you will Mm -hmm. and I was like okay ominous but whatevs and then I had a really, I, I know that you remember what it was. Yes, I, I had do. that really intense experience with mm-hmm. a spirit that came through, like so visceral. And I honestly, like I, I did, I did the death working. I, I did it all, but I, I just, I feel like I spent three or four days just staring at a wall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I just, I was like, oh my God, oh my God. Like I just, mm-hmm. it, it, it took a lot. For me to be like, is this the right path for me? But mm-hmm. hell really came in during that time. And again, like you don't need to work with a deity if, if you're doing death work, but she was there with me. And so was Azrael helping me to kind of process it. And I was like, if that's what this is, like, I don't think I can do it. And she said, oh, on the contrary, I think that is the reason why you can. Mm-hmm. She was mm-hmm. like, what you, how you approach that, I think should be an indicator of why that this is the right path for you mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you treated that spirit with respect and you were able to stand up for them and you were able to ask for assistance when you needed it. Mm-hmm. And you were able to provide a peaceful passing for them. Mm-hmm. And I think that is all you need to know in order to continue with your path right now. So you you may have experiences where after you initially get into it, you're like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. And then they throw something at you that really makes you question it, but really makes you understand, no, this is the path for me. I yeah. And I know, because I know you've had those experiences too. And I, because yeah. I, you've shared like in our group <laughs> chats, like, wow, I don't know if this is for me. And I'm like, no. <laughs> no fern on the contrary we're just a couple of ferns being like what the fuck is happening (laughs) just like fluffering our little ferns and i'm like no on the contrary i think this is an indicator that this is the right path for you like look at how you're handling this it's so true and that again is full circle to why having that community if you can have it or having that like therapist or somebody to be able to connect with to talk through Mm -hmm. these things because it can leave you with like really crazy questions and like have you in this weird space for days yeah yeah dude like bringing it back to the finch because that's the one example that was so transformative that i can think of that was more recent is with the finch i remember for days after that talking with you guys and being like yeah dude it was (laughs) like even though i know that i respect the spirit of this bird 
I realize that maybe some people might be like, wow, she's really freaking out over this bird. Like, it's a bird, you I know? know? But it, like, it's impactful. It is like, impactful. That's the thing. <laughs> it's like so impactful. And I was but like, that's I- the beautiful thing, though. That's one, that's one of the reasons why I knew that – not that it really, you know, matters whether or not I feel like you're worthy of it or not, I- but like <laughs> – but just that it really, it was impactful for me to see how much it impacted you because it made me realize how seriously you take it. And that was a really beautiful moment because someone who was just like, oh yeah, I did a death working for a bird. It was cool. Yeah. Like that, it was so much more than that. (laughs) Yeah. It just, it discounts the experience because you're not, you're not, that takes out the respect and the reverence of death. And I, I do yeah. think that there has to be a moment for you to be able to have reverence for death. The interesting thing, though, about being an animal death witch, and again, domesticated or or wild, is that you actually don't need to be, you don't, nature doesn't need a death witch, right? Like, right. nature well, doesn't and need I mean, it. even humans don't need death witches. We're just, we're just here. <laughs> like, we're, we're just... we're, but we're here to help. Like, that's the thing. It's like, they don't like nature doesn't need a person to do a ritual for every bird that dies or every salamander that dies or whatever. You get my point, right? Like nature can exist on its own without us. Right. It's kind of like therapists. Like Mm -hmm. I hate to compare it to this, but like we don't need therapists, but often we greatly benefit from them. Because yeah, some could argue we do need them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like I know we what need you them. Mean. I know what but you like, mean, yeah. <laughs> in, in the grand scheme of things, like, you don't always need someone to be there to validate your feelings or validate your experience. But when you do have that, it makes such a big impact. And it changes the way that you go through an experience, right? So when we have an experience that is transformative and we have someone validating that, that's kind of how I see death witchery. Like, mm-hmm. I don't believe that spirits can be stuck. I don't believe that they can't cross themselves over, but I do believe that they can get confused. I believe that sometimes they can hold on to their beliefs that they had in lifetimes. So before they cross over, quote unquote, they will feel like they're going to be judged and they'll be f- afraid. And they need someone who, to encourage them to have the bravery to cross over and face whatever it is on the other side. Like that's what you're doing in death Mm -hmm. witchery is you are helping to assist someone be ready for that transition. And then from an animal death witch point of view, I'm going to share a story. And this is why it's going to be important to have the trigger warnings at the, at the, at the forefront. Cause this, this happened um, not too, too long ago. So many people know that I've been having some issues with illness with one of my dogs and that has, actually amplified my mediumship for some strange reason maybe it's because I'm so attuned into death as that being a possible outcome which hopefully Mm -hmm. it isn't but if it were it just I've been leaning really hard into like connecting to the other side as far as like mediumship and I did have a spirit come in this is gonna be the first time Arl's heard this story but I got the I got the nod from a copy so I'm allowed to share um I had this spirit come in it was a uh pit bull now pit bulls are pit bulls they are uh, very stigmatized for various different reasons. People have different opinions on whether, like, the, you know, we should have bans on them and, and whatnot. Yeah. But anyway, this spirit of a pit bull had come through. And I remember just, like, hanging out with his spirit. 
and it laid down on the couch next to me and it put its paw on my lap and I touched its paw and it started showing me some visions of its life and it was actually used as a cage fighting dog. So that's how it died is it eventually succumbed to the injuries from cage fighting. So it had a very terrible life. It was, you know, didn't experience a very good life. It had terrible experiences with humans, like just treated so poorly and just was riddled with anxiety and fear and pain. And I knew that this was it asking for my help because it was showing me how it was in pain and it wanted my help. And this was a moment for me to be able to understand that while death witchcraft is very selfless, this spirit came to me, I feel, for a reason to also teach me something. And so I do think that there is a bit of that reciprocal um, moment of helping one another because Mm -hmm. this spirit helped me to understand how important this work is to me even even greater. Like, you know what I mean? Like it really just pushed it even further into the depths of my soul where I was like, this is definitely the path for me. It's definitely what I'm meant to do because with animals and much like with people, sometimes they'll have horrible lives where they were never treated with respect. And that's literally all they're looking for is just someone to recognize that they've had pain or that they've had a bad experience and that it's not okay in order to move on. And to be able to offer that to spirits is healing for them and for us. And like I said, even though nature doesn't need humans to be here in order for the death cycle to happen and in order for spirits to to technically move on, I do feel like the relationship between humans and spirit is really profound. And that the reason why death witches have existed for as long as humans have in some form or fashion, whether it's like doulas or or whatever the case may be, because death is, you can't escape it. It's everywhere and it will happen to all of us at some point. I feel like that is a spiritual connection that we can have while we're here. And that's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Well, and that's that's one of the reasons why the experience that I had at the beginning of my path as a a death witch was so impactful because the spirit of that person was so mistreated in life. Mm -hmm. That's so grossly mistreated. And yet they still showed me respect when they Mm -hmm. came through. And I was like, Mm -hmm. please don't feel it necessary to treat me with respect when you have been so disrespected in your life. I appreciate your kindness, but you deserve kindness due to the fact that you haven't been treated well. And even Mm -hmm. if you were like, everybody deserves respect. So I want to be able to respect you this way. And that honestly, I think was why it was so impactful for me because it was, Oh, I'm going to get emotional. I know I'm trying so hard to keep it together. It was, (laughs) it was, I'm like over here, like, yeah, you're just like, oh. it's like that like gif of that kid with like the like the veins popping out of there. Yeah, I'm like, oh. um, yeah, but it's just like, like it was a moment that that made me feel so honored to do yeah. this work because I knew that they trusted me enough to witness. Oh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they trust me enough to witness their pain and be able to approach it with respect and validate it and then therefore like set up a path where they could continue forward peacefully and that's that's what death work is yeah that's 
that's what it is. And that moment just made me realize how much I just, I needed to do this. But I, I think about that experience every single time I work with a new spirit. And I think that's the reason why that was like one of my first official quote unquote um, death witchery experiences was that they knew that it was going to set up every single experience that followed that. Mm -hmm. And I think it just helped me to realize like how to approach things in a way where I really put myself aside when I do that work. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, expect to cry. Expect oh, yeah. to cry. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Expect if you're cry. not a crier now, you will be. You will be. <laughs> definitely, definitely. It's it's really a beautiful path. And hopefully from listening to our experiences and listening a little bit to what it what it means to be a death witch and some of the foundations that we believe should be there before pursuing something like this and the potential experiences you might have that when and if it becomes available to you it is something that that you know you can approach with respect and with I suppose excitement may be the wrong word but I but I do feel like there's excitement there because there's always something to learn and I think that it also kind of highlights I think we've also done a a, I think a very good job at highlighting how death will find you how you may not be looking for it but it will find you and so if death keeps finding you, then this is something there that might be, might be on your, that. yeah, might be on your yeah. path. But with that said, me and obviously Alyssa too, hope that this episode brought some, some clarity for this path and helps you to understand it on a deeper level and helps you to understand a little bit of the ins and outs of what it is. But obviously, if any of you have questions, you're free to reach us um, Mm -hmm. either through our email or through um, voice memos on, I I think it's Spotify that allows you to send voice memo questions in. But we also have the channel on our our Discord server for Ghost Tea Podcast for questions you have about different things or requests you have on topics we go over. But I'm really honored that we got to share this with you because it is a really uh it's a topic that's very close to both of our hearts Mm. and i i've wanted to talk about it for a while but i think there was a lot going on a couple months ago when we Mm. initially wanted to go through it and we just felt like it wasn't time and and then um after everything kind of blew over mostly like i think it just kind of offered a new opportunity for us to bring this up so i'm glad we got to discuss it it's me too yeah, it's a I love this topic so much. Me too. Me too. Yeah, don't don't tempt us with questions cuz we will answer <laughs> them. <laughs> we'll talk about this forever. You want to um, talk about ghosties? We're your gals. Yeah. But for obviously going into um, you know, services like if if any of you are drawn to booking with Alyssa or I, you can always find our information on our website, www.ghostteapodcast.com, or you can click on the links in the description. You can find both of our websites through there or book with both of us together for paranormal consultations. Mm-hmm. And yeah, our website has a lot of fun things on there. So don't it forget does. to check that out. So don't forget to rate and share Ghost Tea Podcasts. Sharing helps us to create even more amazing episodes for all of you ghosty listeners. And Spotify has a little star option for you to be able to rate 
the more you can rate us, the better. And thanks again for being a listener. We love you and we can't wait to see you in the next one. Yes. Thank you so much. Bye, ghosties. Bye, ghosties.